Tonight we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. As we look at the gospel, the power of the gospel. And uh, why Paul, in all of his struggles, did not lose heart. Why he did not give up, as he explains in passion, um, what his hope was. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6, there are passage. I'll ask when you find that to stand in God's honor. So read aloud. <clears throat> Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that although your word says that we all started in darkness, you brought light, Lord. We can't see in the dark. We need light. And you are the light of the world. And Father, thank you for opening hearts and eyes. And you are still in that business, Lord. Because we all start out in a dark place. And we need you to turn the light on. We need to be able to see the light of the gospel. Glory of Christ. He is the image of God. And he's the one that we need to see. I pray that as we look at your word tonight. And these few verses. May we just... Father, get a glimpse of the passion of Paul and why he kept at it in tough circumstances. So lead us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, He starts out, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. And I think uh, every one of us at one point or another have lost heart. We've got discouraged. We have people that we love that we want them to love Jesus. And they don't. And, you know, as someone told me a long time ago, and it's so true, you don't argue people in the kingdom of God. I tried that once, and all I did was make all of us mad, including me. Years ago, it doesn't work. And yet we have a burden, and sometimes it's like just talking to a wall. You love them, and you know they need to know about Jesus. And you pray for years and years and years, and there's just no response. Um, my sister, we've prayed for her, I don't know how many years. And she's finally gotten to the point where we can have a conversation with her about God. And she talks about prayer. So, I mean, it's making some progress through the years. Uh, but anyway, as I think about this, and then I think about Paul. And I think about, you know, things I, I fought with discouragement. And they seem embarrassing next to Paul, to be quite honest about it. Turn over a couple of chapters to 2 Corinthians 11. 
starting at verse 24, and he gives a description of what he faced. Talk about what could discourage you. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored, toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who's weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? (laughs) This is what Paul faced. And as we look at our passage, he says, God's mercy gave me this ministry and I do not lose heart. And we're going to look at in the verses uh, that ministry but basically, the hope of that ministry is what Jesus does in people's lives, guys. How he transforms people. How he takes people and he makes them new. How he, he brings them up out of that rough place and, 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 and does a mighty work. You know, like the, I can't think of the guy's name, but he was a guy that became mightily used of God. And, uh, but he didn't start out that way. He started out battling with alcoholism. And um, he said... You know, do you really believe that that Jesus changed water into wine? He said, I know he could change water into wine because in my house, he changed whiskey into furniture. Because God got a hold of him, changed, changed his heart. Um, I want to open up with an illustration, say a few words. Back in the 1950s, there were five guys that went down into South America and were trying to reach in the rainforest a tribe that had not heard about Jesus. And these five guys, in in the process of trying to, to reach out to them and build a friendship, they thought it was safe, finally, after trying to communicate with them from a distance. And it ended up that these uh, headhunters ended up killing them. You would think, well, that'd be an easy place for the story to stop, you know. You went down there and you tried to share the gospel and you, you, you know... You died, and, and that's it, you know. But these guys, two of the five guys' wives, went back down there. Can you imagine going back down there after your husband has been murdered by these people and still trying to reach out to them with the gospel? I mean, that's God stuff. That's not a natural reaction. And so these two ladies, they went down there, and with the love of Christ, God did a mighty work. And he changed the hearts of this tribe. And as a matter of fact, I was actually, uh, the video I've got here shows um, the son of Nate Saint. And it, it's, it's pretty interesting because this guy, this Indian, he is a, like a grandfather to the kids of one of the men he murdered. And anyway, he is sharing a part of his, te- well, they're translating a part of his testimony Nate and his, or or I think it's Steve, anyway, and his wife, uh, Nate's son, Steve and his wife, are translating from uh, this used-to-be headhunter 
who God had changed him by his power. And I just thought this was interesting to share this because just think about this. This was a guy at one point, he knew nothing about forgiveness. It said there wasn't really a word in their language for forgiveness. And, you know, God transformed him. That's that's what Paul loved to see. So just take it. Let's watch this video and just see a, a, this. I think it's a great illustration from the testimony. He's saying, people, do you know how to walk God's trail? He gave us his markings so that we can see the trail. When the Waurani used to kill each other, they would be separated, but the children would follow their father's markings so that they could find him again. And these are God's markings. He sent his son down here, dripping his blood. He marked the trail. And with that same blood, grandfather says... Father Creator can wash our hearts clean like the sky when it has no clouds in it so we can see this trail. You just have to follow the markings. I teach the people, if you walk your trail, where are you going to end up? Your name is not written there. But he said, but if you walk God's trail, your name is your name is already marked there. And coming there, God has made a place for us to live. It's like he knows when we go into the motel, we have to write our name there to sleep. And he says, your name is already written there at the place that God has made. And you don't even have to play, pay a room rate. No tax. He didn't say that. I was saying I did it. He said, if you're, if you're not a coming after one, then maybe you won't understand this. Ask God to clean your heart so that you too can see it. If you don't walk God's trail, he doesn't know your name. You're going on your own trail. That's bad, bad. That makes me cry, he said. My heart was dark like my shirt. But the, but the king calls to us. The, they don't have any leadership, but he knows that the king is the strong one who can tell us what to do. He said, the king is calling to us and calling to us. Come walk my trail. I want to be reunited with you. God calling to me said, which trail do you want to walk? And I finally answered, I want to walk your trail. Why would I walk my own trail with no place waiting for me there? He says, in God's place, it's like Odo, it's like gold. It's a very good place. He knows we all wear gold to signify precious. And so he's saying, you folks like gold, wait till you get to God's place. 
He's inspired. He said, I think you were like me before. You didn't see this trail either, did you? Somebody has to teach us to walk the trail. Somebody has to teach us the markings, and then we need to teach others. Later, he says, when I was living badly, badly, then what happened? Then Star, uh, Aunt Rachel, and Woodpecker, Aunt Betty, she's very tall, long neck. He said, they came, and they are the ones that taught me God's markings. My heart was dark. My heart was dark like this. How could I see? How could I see? I, nobody had ever showed me this trail. I didn't know how to walk it. I said no to the king. What the king said, I said no at first. But God called my own name to him. Now my heart is not dark anymore. God sent his own son down here to the dirt so that he could show us how. Why would any of you not want to be coming after ones? Why would you not want to walk the same trail that God's own son, his only son, marked for us with his blood? Wow. Isn't that powerful? There's a guy that said, before I was walking my trail, but it wasn't going anywhere. Why would I not want to walk the trail first? Um, walk by Jesus and to follow that trail. And that was Paul's heart. Maybe it wasn't with headhunters, but it was with people who were in darkness People who didn't understand what it was to know the one true God and to know his forgiveness and to know his heart. And Paul suffered and, and he, he went through a lot of junk, but he did it because he wanted to see that. He wanted to see lives that were turned upside down for the glory of God, that were changed and transformed, as it says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen over the next chapter, that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new's come. That, that, that was his heart. Let, let's look at those first two verses. He talks about it. He says, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. He understands that it's, it, it is a privilege to be called and to serve God. It's not a burden. He says, we don't lose heart. He, he says, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. Paul says the power of God's word alive in us allows us to be real. Allows us to stop playing these games of pretending like we're somebody we're not and becoming who he made us to be. Renouncing those shameful, those secret ways. He says we don't use deception. So we're not trying to trick you. We're, we're not trying to take advantage of you. We want you to know him. Because he, he gave us hope. He, he's the one who walked that trail. And he says, follow me along my trail. It leads somewhere. 
Somewhere that matters. You know, I think about what Jesus said, John 10, 10. He said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Or I think the King James says more abundantly. But then the next part of the verse says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Man, without God, we're headed nowhere. Matter of fact, that threefold place we are headed, that's bad. Steal, kill, destroy. But he wants us to know life. And, and Paul, as he, he shares here about this gospel, he says, we do not distort the word of God. He says, it's not about we take this Bible and we open it up, read a couple of verses and then close it and then tell you what we think. He says, you know, my heart is not to give you five steps to a happy life. And, you know, read one verse and come up with my five steps. <laughs> he wanted to take in that day, of course, he didn't have all the revelation that we have. But God spoke through him and, and much of what's in here it was able to be recorded as through the ministry and the heart of, of the Apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit was at work within him. Has the scripture became such a deep part of his life? He said, I, I want you to know, God, and, and it's, it's by understanding by getting a clear picture and, and understanding of his word. You know, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, what a great verse. It says that all scripture is inspired. And I love it in a lot of translations. It says, is God breathed? These are not just, you know, words that somebody a long time ago wrote down that, you know, has a little insight about God. The Bible says of itself that it's God breathed, that this literally comes from the mouth of God. And we know that everything was made, all of creation came when God spoke. These words are, they're sacred words. They're words that God has placed power within. And when his Holy Spirit works in conjunction with his word, he changes lives. There's deception that's taken away and there's truth that's revealed and, and hearts that, that are changed as, as, as his word is, is made clear. Um, turn me over to Galatians chapter 1. It's over a couple of chapters. After 2 Corinthians, we come to Galatians. And Paul is talking about those who want to twist the scripture around. And he, uh, matter of fact, uh, it's got a heading here, and starting at verse 6 in my Bible, says, No other gospel. And he's trying to say, Hey, I'm, I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached, not something else. Then he comes down to verses 11 and 12, and he says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. God's Spirit takes His Word and you just know it's true. Man, He just speaks to you in a way that can only be explained by experiencing His work in your life. And, and, and that's what happened in Paul's life. And he says, that's what I want to see happen in other people's lives. Um, there is a fish called the bluegill fish that they're using in some of our major cities to put in large sections of the water supply. And they have these little fish in the bottom because when there is a change in the chemical composition of the water, these fish react to it. 
And so they're like little warning devices to protect against terrorists that might want to put something harmful in the water and change the water. So these little bluegill fish, are, you know, they're detectors of, of poison. And Paul, is, he's sharing here, he, he's saying, you know, we, we don't need to change. We don't need to twist. We don't need to fix. We don't need to improve God's word. We need to live it. We need to let God get a hold of us. We, 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 we need to be changed by it instead of trying to change it so that God can get a hold of our hearts. And it's veiled to people. Back to Second uh, Corinthians 4. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, And even if our gospel's veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. People, they have a veil they can't see. It, it blocks their vision. It blocks their view of the truth. It's not that they may not want to see. They just can't see. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, uh, tells us one of the major reasons for this blindness is we are in a spiritual war. And we've been, uh, Chip Ingram's study on Wednesday nights has been on spiritual warfare. Great message on being honest before God last time. But this 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us about the work of the evil one, our arch enemy, the devil. Look how it describes this. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They just can't see God. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He blinds people's minds and he says, man, you know, get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can, you know, enjoy it to the full. The problem is it's empty. What this world has to offer apart from God does not meet the needs of the heart. It says in First uh, John two, fifteen and 16, he talks about the fact that um, those who have this deep love for the world. Do not understand the love of God. It says uh, 15 through 17 of chapter 2 of 1 John. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And listen to this description of the love of the world. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man. You know, there's deep cravings. I just got to have it, you know. The lust of his eyes. Looking at something and just salivating as you look at it. And the boasting of what he has and does. Boasting of what I did. Boasting of what I have. Notice where it originates. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. And verse 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Hey, it is an empty street. To chase after this world alone is a dead-end street. It's empty. It doesn't fulfill. It, it doesn't lead anywhere. Just like this, uh, shared in this testimony, our path, it, it goes nowhere. It heads nowhere. It's, it's empty, and the devil wants to lead us in that direction. A verse that's been through my mind a lot lately uh, that I learned recently is Proverbs 4.19. It 
And the verse says, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Now think about that. You think, why does that person live like that? Are they nuts? The scripture says, they're, it's like deep darkness. They're in this thick... Well, you know, it sounds funny to even talk like that. You know, where it's just totally... Where it's just so totally black. You know, it's so dark that you just can't see. And, and you know, I've had that where I'm going around the wall. I remember one day... Matter of fact, I think I was uh, in the church here somewhere and I forgot there was this extra wall and I came around the corner and hit my head on the wall because I, I couldn't see. Because I wasn't sure where the light was. Until you have the light when you're in the darkness, deep darkness, you can't see and it's so easy to stumble. But it says here, they don't even know what makes them stumble. They're blind. And Paul goes because he wants to awaken them to that blindness. And we're in that battle. We're in that constant war. It's not just about us. It says that there's this invisible war through Ephesians 6 that tells us our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. But there's this cosmic battle that happens with the forces of evil and the forces of good. And, and um, we need to be aware of that. J.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, he said, It does not do to lead to... Leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. It does not do to leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. And we live near him. We need to be aware of him. People's eyes are closed. But Paul comes to this next part. How their eyes open. It's his call. And that's those last two verses, five and six. He says... We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, I love that. He simply says, the message always points to Jesus. It's not the messenger. It's not how good I'm able to say it. It's him. He says, that's the focus. That's what changes lives. That's what transforms lives is Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We're simply his servants. But our message is Jesus and he is Lord. And I love this picture here. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And there's a, a footnote here that this scripture is similar to that. It comes out of Genesis 1 verse 3. Where it talks about how God separated the darkness and the light. As he brought light out of darkness. And the picture here, you know, it says in the beginning was God. And then it talks about that he created something out of nothing. Only God can make something out of nothing. But it says when we started here, there was ex nihilio, which means nothing. And he spoke. And there was something. And in the way that he created this planet, this earth, and in the way in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, as, as we see the creation being formed, as he spoke and it came into being, there is this same picture, there's this parallel when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. He says, 
We started out in the dark. Unable to find our way. We were stumbling. And God spoke. He, he, he called your name. He, he called you by name because He loves you. And, and he, he, he tells you, here I am. And, and by His speaking, suddenly it was, aha. There was light. There was understanding. And, and God said, hey, you don't have to stumble. You don't have to continue to fall. You can find me the light. And, and, and man, life can be as it's meant to be. Just trust me. And the light floods a person's soul. And He's made new through Jesus Christ. And that that's the kind of work that He does, guys. That's, that, that's the change that He has. You go over to the previous chapter, chapter 3. In verse 16, it says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. At the moment of Jesus seeking us, coming to us, and and revealing to us who He is and where we are, and giving His hope to us, at that moment, the veil's removed, and we enter into His presence. Into his forgiveness, into his family. And there's that hope. And, and that was the passion that Paul experienced in his preaching as he saw the power of the gospel at work that changed people's lives. <laughs> Where the God of this age was not able to be victorious, but God was able to do a mighty work in the face of that. Close with this illustration, I know. Oh, Joe, one of my favorite preachers through the years has been Chuck Swindoll. I guess I've listened to him so much. Sometimes Cindy and I almost through the years have called him like Uncle Chuck because I've heard Swindoll so much. But uh, there's an example. Years ago, he was actually in the Boston area out of seminary. And he was one of, th- well, there were four preachers, really. There were three preachers in churches, and then there was a, a, a seminary professor, Greek seminary professor, and they had gone into the, uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. It was the first church of Scientology. And as they were in this church, there was this elderly lady who was giving them a tour of the church. And they got into this conversation about the fact that one day we will all be in the presence of God. And we have to give an account of ourselves before God. And so he said that Dr. Waltke, who was the uh, professor of Greek, uh, he had referred to Hebrews 9.27 in this conversation about will there be a judgment. And and he he said to this lady, Dr. Waltke, he said, uh, but man, doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible it's appointed to man to die once and after that the judgment? I mean, the scholar could have quoted it in Greek and gave the nuances of the meaning of everything else. But he just very gently said something. Chuck Swindoll said, he was like, man, he's, he's kind of elbowing this guy. And he's saying, you had her nailed. You could have just got right into the scripture right there and just nailed her with the truth that there is a judgment. And she needs to turn to Christ. He just turned to Chuck and said, Chuck, that wouldn't be very nice now, would it? Not a lot of grace and love in that, is there? Chuck said he was like, wow, I just got nailed. (laughs) He said the amazing thing was after that 20 minutes later, he saw Dr. Waltke. 
sitting around the corner on some steps with that lady, sharing the gospel. He had earned an opportunity to talk to her about Christ because he was patient and he loved her and then able to share the truth with her. That's the heart of a missionary. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes people don't want to listen. Sometimes people aren't open. But we're not called to force our way into a situation. We're called to be faithful. To not lose heart. To renounce deception and shameful ways. But to move in with the gospel. Knowing that the God of this age has blinded people's minds. And they can't see. But praise be to God that when we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and not ourselves, but simply that we are his servants for his sake, God does this miraculous work where he takes those who are in darkness and he pours forth his light so that people can respond to what they need, which is forgiveness and love found only in Jesus Christ. And so I wrap all this up. Saying that's what it's all about. That's why we meet. To proclaim that message. And to live that message. And maybe there's one here today. Who wants to come. And um, wants to say I want that message. In my life. Or maybe to come to the altar to pray. And say you know I've lost track of why I'm around. And, and I know it's to share that message. But I've just kind of forgotten that. And God's reminded me. Maybe you need to come and pray. And say God where do you want me to go to share it. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for an opportunity to look at your word. Father, sometimes we get on our spiritual kicks like we're something for you. Well, none of us are anything, God. It's you. But yet, that's not an excuse that we're not to, to know your word. And to live your word and to share your word. It's, that's not bad at all. But when we discover you. It empowers us to tell others. There's a light that comes out of us. That we can't produce or manufacture. It's revealed in us. And then through us. Because you're alive. And, and that's what was going on with Paul. Lord, You were alive in him. And using him for your purpose. And you still do that today. So where do you want to call me? Where do you want to call my brothers and sisters? Maybe it's down the street to a neighbor. Maybe it's uh, to a work associate. Maybe it's to a family member. Maybe it's to another town or another country. Where do you want us to go? I know what you want us to do. You want us to preach Jesus as Lord and ourselves as his servants for your sake. And Father, as that is done, I know it's successful and that we should not lose heart because that's victory. So thank you for all of that, Lord. And now as we prepare to stand and sing, may we come if you call us. In your name we pray. Amen.